Welcome to Joiners, the podcast with Tim and Danny, where each week we explore the world of hospitality by chatting with its most colorful characters. What's going on, Tim? Good morning. Good morning, Danny. You know, we sometimes record these intros separate from the interviews, just like today. we always do. Yeah, sometimes we stack them if we can. Yeah, generally, we if we have time after the interview, we we record directly after. This was a long interview, so we both, all exactly. three of us had to so leave. We went, so afterward, we went to a lunch meeting. That's right. And uh, hard out. Yeah, we had a hard out. We went to one of our uh, our favorite local spots, Uncle Mike's place. Yep. And at the end of the meal, well, somewhere in the middle of the meal, I think it wasn't even the end of the meal. We all had stuff yeah. in front of us. They they give us a like a to go bag with three different rice porridges in there. The yeah. arroz caldo. Yeah, like the porridge you get. Kind of, I think you get it with every dish, right? <laughs> yeah, Actually, yes. no, when we sat down, yeah, there was a bowl it, of it yeah. waiting for us. So it's we all had already good. eaten one of them in its yeah. entirety, then yeah. our dishes. And then they gave us like three brand new ones to go. Arbitrarily. Arbitrarily. And we're like, okay, thank you. And then we didn't really discuss like who was going to take them or whatever. <laughs> then Tim had to leave early uh, or not early, but Tim had to go somewhere. I had so. to leave first. Yeah. <laughs> so Billy and I were talking and somehow like at the end of this thing, we end up back in our cars and I have all the, <laughs> I have the bag full of these rice porridges and I'm like, what the heck? Like, how did I get stuck with all three of these? It's things? better to get stuck with something that you don't necessarily want. I mean, I would, I would have taken those, but they were all like three different kinds of the porridge. They were, it was like a like, fish one. I didn't, I, I didn't really catch fish one and a pork about. one maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, but I'd rather take something that I don't want than leave something that I do want. How many times have you left mm-hmm. a doggy bag on the table? Or you get to For the car sure. and you're like, shit. And then you're like, do I want to go back? I did that at Maxwell's recently. Because yeah. I, I like I went in the gift shop and bought some books after dinner. Yeah. And I left. Uh, I don't even remember what we had. Uh, maybe some of the clay pot and rice left over. And when you came back, was early eating it? I didn't go back because uh-huh. I had already like, you know, you go through. The, you say goodbye to everybody. You leave. And then I was like halfway home. like, shit. I want, <laughs> I want that when I get home, but I didn't want to go back. You like text Josh and Erling. You're like, Hey, I left this thing. Feel free to eat it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Erling, bring that home for the kids. <laughs> uh, on the topic of rice, there is something I want to say. I've had it with cauliflower rice. Hmm. Keep the, well, here, here's why Liz, my sister, we do like, we used to do like um, blue apron or like green chef, like those kind of, prep things like for quick weekday meals and then liz was like why don't i just do this and liz's meals are way better yeah you're lucky it's like somehow cheaper and she's getting all the ingredients from fresh marketplace so it's very good stuff and um it's a great scenario it's been going for a long time now yeah like we've been doing it for like a year i I think liz should turn it into a business i think she's getting burnt out or she's loving it i think she kind of likes it and if it's like sometimes it's like things from the internet where there's a picture but she's been using like AI generated images for some of the dishes that she makes up, <laughs> yeah. and it's very funny. They don't look anything. Are like you? They do should. you feel free to give critique in the scenario? I I talked about this with Liz last week. I always give very honest feedback because I uh, what's otherwise, the what's rate? the point? Huh? What's the hit rate? Hit rate probably eighty to ninety percent. Wow, it's quite and, good. Yeah, some of them are like repeat dishes, but very seldom. And here's the thing: so every week, Liz will text me, Brian, and Shannon like five dishes and we vote on our top three and then she takes that data and the most popular dishes are the ones that get made oh nice so sometimes when so i sometimes you could be to blame for the dishes not being to your standards right yeah we have no one to blame but ourselves <laughs> but, <laughs> but sometimes that. like liz liz is very health conscious and um not not in a way that it compromises flavors but like she'll do substitution sometimes and that's where i'm like 
keep the cauliflower out of my starch. I don't want cauliflower rice. Yeah. I don't want, uh, what's another version of that? Cauliflower gnocchi, mm. the consistency is messed up. Like yeah. th- those things you can't, you can't change. It's like, like the zucchini the noodles stuff. and stuff like that. Yeah. Zoodles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, another thing that's, that recently, <laughs> let's was, keep it rolling. Yeah, let's keep you know, another thing. <laughs> let's got your goat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I was, I was shaving the other day and I'm like, why, who, why do they make shaving cream scented? And whoever is choosing the scent is using way too much of it. No reason. I never want the scent. Like, it's just like sticks with you. It's so potent. Yeah, especially so when fragrant. there's an aftershave too. Like, what are you supposed to layer these two like intense yeah, scents, scents yeah. on top it's of like each just other? Just go back to the unscented, man. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I don't shave. I don't like shave down to the skin. My yeah. face. Uh, I haven't in years, mostly because I look a little feminine when I do that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it doesn't make you look great. Um, but uh, when I did shave, I would use like a gel, like an unscented yeah, shave smart. gel. Yeah. Well, someone who probably hasn't uh, encountered shaving cream for a long time <laughs> yeah. is this week's guest. Yes. He, he threw out the shaving <laughs> devices <laughs> years ago. Years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Our, our bearded guest, our very talented chef, Jason Vincent. Highly anticipated episode. Yeah. We wanted to have him on since day one. That's right. And we got a chance to talk to him about his journey, about health insurance, um, about all sorts of things. International cooking. International cooking. Yeah. Just kind of. Yeah, following kind of, you know, happenstance or, yeah. you know. I think because Scofflaw is so close to Giant, I think you know Jason pretty well. Yeah. Um, this is my first time spending time with him and, and hearing his story. It was cool. He's he's different. He's like, um, he really cares. Yeah, he sure does. And he's, he's transcended from like chef to now business owner. And I think that's that thing that comes through in the interview. For sure. So without further ado, please enjoy our conversation with Jason Vincent. Jason, welcome in, man. Hi. We've been trying to get Jason on for uh, for a long time. For, for 87 episodes. <laughs> for 87 Every week episodes. we email him. <laughs> <laughs> and he's here now. So what's up? You're looking at it, man. Love it. Love it. <laughs> I think that Chef's Special is the takeout food I get more than anything. I mean, oh, it's really? no, 100% definite. Really? I, ha- I picked it up on Saturday. What's the order, Danny? Yeah, what is the order? Okay, so depending who we're with, but this particular time, it was uh, green beans, gylon, it was pot stickers, it was dry chili chicken, yeah. it was the Dan Dan noodles, it was a walnut shrimp, and I could be forgetting something. I got to make a plug for the cashew chicken. All right, cashew it was, chicken. It was the one thing that I wanted on the menu when we... Uh, we're opening, we're like, you know, gaming out the menu type thing. And it was just, it's so good. All right. Did anything not make the cut that you were upset about? Uh, uh, Not that I was upset about. (laughs) like still pissed. Motherfuckers. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yourself. (laughs) No, honestly, I mean, so like so much has happened since then. We opened six weeks before the pandemic shut us down. Yeah. So I've met memory hold a whole lot yeah you know like just stuff that i can't time a time in my life that i care not to remember yeah for sure yeah that was the first time i was in chef special was the shutdown meeting 
Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that was wild. That was a crazy meeting. Yeah. yeah it was so organic and so weird and it was. so intense. We were all vulnerable. communicating a lot more, I think, at that time. For sure. Well, we had to. Well, and yeah. we were all scared. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot I mean, of emotions. Emotions and, uh, you know, just when it's new for everybody all at the same time, it's like the, the best thing that you can lean on is community. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. You know, so we, we had that and it was, it was great. Yeah. All right. So let's take us back. Uh, and then the news media showed up and I was like, fuck, what are you guys doing here? You're just going to bring bad news <laughs> like, every time. Did the media show up at the they end? They did at the end. Oh, who was it? I can't remember, but it was, you know, it was them that were like showing us things like this will not end until 2024. And yeah. it was 2020 and we're all like, yeah, wait, we were talking about two weeks. Yeah. At that time it was <laughs> yeah, two weeks. Was two <laughs> it was two weeks. Then it was Easter. Right. And then it turned into years. And then we stopped talking about dates. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We started we talking about vaccines. We will not rebound until 2024. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, All right. Well, here we are. 2024. Right. Is everyone <laughs> rebounded? <laughs> yeah. I think we're on accurate. the way. Yeah. Um, how did you get into into cooking in the first place? Um, I, I think it was it was a couple of things. It was definitely my mom um, who was always cooking, you know, we were definitely a family that was, um, born of, you know, their, their systems, you know, like my grandparents, they always had dinner together and they had a very structured way to have, you know, meals. And even when my parents started working all the time to full-time working parents, which I think a lot of us like experienced, you know, latchkey kids or whatever. Um, my mom was still, she would hit the ground running when she came home from work or after she picked us up and, you know, just have something that she had started, you know, days before, um, was just kind of like throwing together a lot. And this is in Cleveland, Cleveland. Yeah. What were some of mom's dishes? Do you remember? I mean, she, she was always very, uh, creative is a good way to, to, (laughs) it's a nice way to say it, but, but I mean, like she had the, 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 that was the, the resources available to her were, you know, like the New York times cooking section Mm -hmm. or like any sort of periodical or magazine or whatever. So she was tuned in and for sure. Yeah. Yeah. She was always, and my dad got, uh, diabetes when he was like 40 ish. So she kind of had to, you know, read, you know, double down her efforts and like really like think about what she was cooking. And I think that maybe opened, it was a pain in the ass, I'm sure for her. Yeah. What are the restrictions? I mean, just a lot of, you know, salt and sugar and carbohydrates and like knowing what you're doing. All the good things. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, we didn't have any white rice anymore and things Mm. like that, which we never really had a lot of, but you know, high protein and know, knowing what he's putting into his body, you know, many fewer M&Ms. But yeah, was he pretty unhealthy up to that point? Uh, you know, the 80s were a weird time for for food. I mean, like the, you know, big, um, you know, producers of snack foods were very busy telling everybody that it was fat. That was yeah. making you fat. Is that when and fat that, free became the thing? Totally. And like, you know, like sugar busters and things like that and, you know, came out. But it was, you know, it was, it was all just so that 
different groups of people could sell different shit to to us. Yeah. yeah. So it was, you know, and the internet didn't exist. So, um, yeah, no information. Yeah. It was a moving target on what you should eat and how you should, you know, perform and how your body is going to react. And, um, so yeah, it was, it was, you know, we started eating a lot of like, you know, salmon patties and things like that. And, you know, um, yogurt, you know, is a, is, is a good example. Like I never fucking ate yogurt before. (laughs) And then then, big yogurt came in, but I'm, yeah, right. But I mean, I, I do think like that, um, that sort of point, the eighties really opened a a lot of people's eyes to like different stuff that was out there that, you know, like, well, we're getting fat for whatever reason. And people are making their own suppositions on, on why. And, uh, you know, they all kind of took their own paths and we had the diabetes on top of it. So that kind of steered us in maybe a little bit of a healthier way, like boneless, skinless chicken breasts and shit mm-hmm. like that. And 40 uh, years later, we're still probably the fattest nation for sure. Yeah. Because there's too much money and, you know, at fucking Nabisco or whatever, mm-hmm. or Nestle, yeah. you know, like on the uniform side, we have like different size charts. So like we, we use American size charts and sure. things get different, even in the different regions in the United States. But like if we do like our overseas manufacturers, they can't use local size charts for Americans. And they're like, uh, I'm like, yeah, it's because we're a fat country. And uh, they're like, oh, no, no, it's, uh, it's you know, you guys are uh, just taller and stronger. And I'm like, no, just just call it what it is. We're, we're an overfed nation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you remember, like, uh, even, you know, supersized or whatever. Yeah, right. Like, n- not the show, but, yeah, like, just the, the, the existence of those things. Yeah. It was like, it, it's all, you know, we're all putting shit in our body all the time. <laughs> yeah. And, um so that was, I mean, my mom was definitely, she was always in the kitchen and like we had one of those houses. Um, I shouldn't say it that way. My mom worked full time and, and is, uh, you know, has many, many interests, but, um, cooking was definitely one of them. She loved it. She enjoyed it. You yeah. know, did you like cook with her at that time? What's at what point did you start experimenting in there or learning some stuff? Uh, well, I'm not sure that I did. I I I think um, my my favorite part of her cooking was we had like one of those houses where the garage is in the back and the driveway kind of runs up alongside the house toward to the back type mm, yeah. thing, detached garage. And so she would pull up her you know Chevy station wagon right at the side door with the groceries in the back, and that was always my favorite part because you get to like rifle through what she got type of things. Um, and I would help her put them away and the organization, you know, looking back on it now, it's like, Oh yeah, (laughs) maybe, (laughs) maybe I'm a little there. Yeah. Where organization is very important to me. Yeah. Um, but, um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, not to, not to make it take a turn, but like I was an incredibly, uh, sad kid, you know, very. And, um, like chemically or things had happened or both? Uh, nothing had happened. I just, I just think, you know, yeah, just flat out depressed and it's, it's never really left me, but you know, I figured out ways to deal with it but when you're 13. Yeah. You don't know. No, there's no way. Were you more aware of like existential things at that time than the other kids you think? 
I don't know. I, it's not one of those things with, like I ever felt comfortable talking about with yeah. friends. You know, like yeah. I, I definitely felt that way. Like I would, I would always sit in my backyard that was had one. Um, we had an apple tree in the backyard, and I would just kind of consider the tree and consider the fact that there was a time when it was all trees. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and just like the, the sort of progress for lack of a better word, you know, like that, that happens to a place and, you know, you, you kind of can't help, but be, um, introspective after that. Like, well, if that happens to a place, it can happen to a person and, you know, Man, I could go deep on this topic. Yeah, totally. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and then when you're 13 and thinking about death, yeah, um, and you know that potentially being an out, um, it gets real heavy. Yeah. So, <laughs> moving, <laughs> <laughs> moving. <laughs> How I dealt with yeah. that so was d- immersing d- myself in a kitchen. Yeah. So yeah, was you that know? your sanctuary? Was uh, cooking so, and an escape from that kind of emotional turmoil or not even cooking though at that point you know i was my first job i was 13 i was a bus boy my second job i was a stock boy when my third job i was a dishwasher at a pizza place and the washing dishes one man that was um that was that was different for me because i was you know how like dish stations are where like the server comes up and there's the glass rack that's like facing them. And then it like bend, you know, you can yeah. move it carefully over <laughs> and the, you know, dishwasher takes it off and puts it through the machine. So that was me. So I, I essentially didn't have to look at anybody or see anybody or, or talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. And as an introduction to a place for somebody who was in my headspace, <laughs> yeah. that was fucking perfect. <laughs> you know, not knowing that it was, I, it's not like I sought it out. I yeah, just right. ended up there. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, all of a sudden, um, just, you know, I, it's kind of like when you go to summer camp and you can be a different person yeah. a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, like nobody knows you. So you don't, if you don't say the shit that you think people judge you on or, or, or feel about you, then they don't know. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. Right. So I was that way at work. Like I was there with a bunch of people who were much older than me. Some were, you know, it was, it was a kitchen. It was, you know, there was ex Marines and there was, you know, a dude with one finger and we're missing a finger and, um, we called them digits and, <laughs> and uh, you know, but shit like that, there was some sort of weird, like, basically all the stuff that I try to like dissuade people from, um, glomming onto now Mm -hmm. was what I glommed onto, you know, like sort of the, the pirate ship mentality where it's like, we're, we're all doing this and it's crazy and like whatever motley crew making it happen. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then I just never left. Yeah. You know, like then you turned, I turned, you know, 15 and 16, 17. I was still working at the same place. Is it a pizza place it was in Cleveland? a pizza Cleveland? place, yeah. Is it still around? Pizzazz. Pizzazz? Yeah. It's yeah. a good name. Um, it, it is still around. Um, How would you rate I, the pizza? 
It's great. Oh, nice. It's, What's it's that? great. It's it's a pan pizza. It's like a quick ferment, like almost no ferment, ton of yeast. Um, we we actually use the pizza dough recipe from Pizzazz at Giant for the uh, pita, for oh, the eggplant. Nice. <laughs> we just make that exact same dough and then just <laughs> griddle awesome. it instead yeah. of bake it. I thought you were gonna say that was Mata. No, no, no. <laughs> we, I mean, I tried. I when we opened, I was like, let me just see what happens, and yeah. I was like, we just want, you know, two two things. We didn't want to rip them off, and and um, we just wanted something else. Yeah. Um, and the oven we have is no good for pan pizza, but, um, you know, then it's just like, you're just there. You're just there. And all, for those the three time. years, were you dishwashing the whole time or you'd like d- moved on to prep or on the line? Pizza. Or, okay. Pizzas. Pizza. Yeah. It was right from, I mean, later as I work, I worked there for eight years. Wow. Oh. And from ages Fifth, like through uh, college, 15, well, you went to CIA, right? I yeah, I even went back there after CIA. Wow. and bartended. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would walk and be like, wild. okay, I'm the boss now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're all in agreement. I, I got, I got. There's a, there's, you know, there's a, a lot of um, forks in the road as far as like mentality, you know, that sort of mentality, and I sometimes choose the right one and I sometimes choose the wrong one. And I, I mean, I definitely like after CIA, when I went in there one time, <laughs> shit, I can't remember. I can't believe this. I like brought my fucking knives, you know, <laughs> to the fucking pizza place, my F dick, um, set of, you know, culinary school knives that I had like engraved with some fucking dumb saying and like laid them out. <laughs> and all the dudes were like, fuck are you doing dude? <laughs> I'm just like i'm like i'm you know here and yeah. blah, blah blah i do that once you're like i'm the master like, of toppings from now on <laughs> right right oh, um, but like you know but the, my boss from from pizzazz is a very um he's very generous with his um advice his advice back then was don't do it <laughs> I think that's everyone's um, advice. Yeah, same advice sure. that's I the, got. That's the advice no, I give. That's the advice my dad's dad gave to him. But I mean, like he, you know, he came to Giant like a few years ago, and he brought my uh, resume oh, from wow. when I filled it out, wow. and it was completely blank, except for like, <laughs> except for like, line. what what are you applying for, <laughs> like job or wow. whatever? You know, like it was just ridiculously so like sparse yeah. all the experience was under an apple tree right yeah <laughs> right uh i could daydream <laughs> dishwasher perfect um so was Giving the plan tree, by the way is the saddest book of all time yeah don't go there dude oh, that's dude, too sad dude that, i know maybe right. that's why you were sad time. big shell silver same fans. yeah I, when i read it to the kids i'm just like every, every time, time dude every time it I cry. gets me every time that's what giants named after is the shell silver scene poem i think you told me that mm. yeah that's cool. And Shel Silverstein's from Logan, right? He is, yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. He's also a f- like low-key lyricist. He wrote a oh, lot sure. of songs. Yeah. Boy Named Sue. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then also, like obviously, Walt Disney was not necessarily Logan exactly, but we had a lot of like crazy... You know, huge icons kind of from Disney's that area. from Chicago? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, lived in oh, Chicago. Yeah. His house is like a mon- uh, national landmark or yeah. something. Yeah. It's not something people talk about. Is that no, it was like a t- well, they like he lived in what it was like well, Kansas kind of City. A piece of shit. Yeah, right. I, know. <laughs> I mean, when you think no, about but like exactly a big figure, you know what he what's occurred. <laughs> yeah. Careful, Danny's a Disney him, adult. Kind of a piece of shit. Though. <laughs> 
This episode is brought to you by Scofflaw Old Tom Gin, a tasty, versatile spirit. Created in Chicago in 2012, the product was born out of a need for a bespoke iteration of the Old Tom style, which is the slightly sweeter predecessor to London Dry. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin carries classic notes of orange peel, juniper, and coriander while balancing on a subtle floral edge thanks to the addition of osmanthus blossoms. Its elevated proof is suitable in cocktails or unadorned. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin, complete your bar. Okay, so what the plan was to always go to culinary school? Like once you once no, you kind of found no, that, no. or how did you end up there? Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> I wanted to be an English teacher. Oh wow, okay. And um, went to school in upstate New York, um, Elmira College, okay. by the in the Finger Lakes, by Ithaca. I love it up there. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's really beautiful. There's a lot of cool history up there too. Apparently, like Elmira specifically, Mark Twain's wife went to, hmm. and. Um, the Shemung River runs right through there, and a lot of people speculate that he, every time he wrote about the Mississippi, he was actually writing about the Shemung, oh. and then just kind of transferred it because of the, you know, sort of lore yeah. of the Mississippi right. type thing. Um, but yeah, his wife went to Elmira, and there was like a little gazebo that we used to hang out at that she would that he would write at and things like that it was i don't know it was a neat place that's cool um because sort of devastated by a flood in the 70s so like the whole economy of the area was um like depressed depressed yeah it's anything but depressed now it is popping off yeah oh yeah yeah we were up in upstate new york a couple years ago and it's i was like man would have been a good place to buy property 30 yeah. years ago when I was uh, seven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah and you had tons that. of money for real estate. <laughs> <laughs> when it was cheap, yeah. 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 I feel the same way when I go to Ojai. Yeah. <laughs> um, but basically immediately got kicked out for weed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, fast forward, yeah. Is there a good story around it or is it just... I mean... <sighs> Was weed something that would get you kicked out? Like just oh, having yeah. it? Obviously, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It was a really small school. And, you know, I, huh. we, I mean, we were morons. Just All of you, a bunch of you got kicked me out. Me and my roommate. And um, and it was not it was not like a, you know, holy shit, this is happening. A lot of people got kicked out of that wow. place. Like just, it was very it like was strict. Very, very not strict is kind of the wrong word, but like definitely very like it was like it's like a C school that really wanted to be a B school. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so the, the riff raff out. Kind of. How I mean, did we yeah. weren't that raffy? You know? <laughs> yeah, just like, riffing, just riffing, <laughs> riffing and spliffing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, and um, how did your parents respond to the uh, departure? Uh, my, you know, my parents were children of the 60s whose parents were very strict and i think they were trying to not sort of influence the rest of my life by uh, you know reaffirming what an idiot i was right so i appreciate that Mm -hmm. um that being said you know there was some there was some tension and hard conversations for sure. Um, you know, it was, it was 19. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like still a complete idiot. Was there a thought of going to another college to study English and to pursue that path? I did. Okay. I did. I went to Cleveland state, um, which, you know, I 
got as far as like the core classes. And my mom, to her credit, um, realized how um, still sad I was. And she was like, she, it was her suggestion, you know, why don't you try culinary school? And there was a local community college in Cleveland, Cuyahoga Community College, that had a hospitality program. So I enrolled in it. And, um, you know, for, for standard hospitality programs that aren't um, exclusive, like, um, accreditations, you have to take, like, core classes. So I was, like, taking fucking English class, you know, like. In, <laughs> at, at the hospitality At, at the hospitality, at, at community college. Yeah. And, like. <laughs> Mark Twain's I, wife did not go there. No. And it's, I mean, I, I'm going to sound like an asshole, but, like, you know, day one of English class, the guy draws on the board the house with, like, the roof is the introductory paragraph, (laughs) and the three rooms are the body paragraphs, and the basement is the conclusion. And I'm just like, I can't fucking do this. It's on point. There was, like, people with babies in the class and stuff like that, and, like, I'm all for, you know, community college and things like that. But when you're 19 and you're, you know, reeling from what you think is the the biggest thing that's ever going to happen in your life getting kicked out of college yeah and having no direction not that i really wanted a direction at that point you know i um well that coupled (laughs) coupled with the hospitality program was um left a lot to be desired yeah Yeah. so i and if i'm being honest i (laughs) i was dating a person who i wasn't really super you know, compatible Inter, yeah. with so and, wanted, to and get away. wanted to get away. Yeah. So all those things kind of made me go look at, um, the CIA just to, just to go, yeah. just to be somewhere. And when your mom had suggested, you know, hospitality or culinary school, she must've picked up on, you know, you, you know, you were in a better mood when you came home from pizzazz or you had talent in the kitchen. Like what were the things that she was tuned into that drove her to suggest that? Um, well, she's, th- it was kind of her job. She's a guidance counselor. Okay. <laughs> oh, and, wow. And <laughs> she's she, a good guidance counselor. Yeah, she's a very good guidance counselor. Yeah. She's still, Tim and um, I should go to her. She, Seriously. <laughs> she's still, she has her finger on the pulse of every college in hmm. the country and wow. many in the world. And like my niece who, you know, she's not related to in any way on my wife's side, um, she just went with her for a college visit, you know, just to, to help. Yeah. She likes to help. That's she's cool. a big helper. Um, and she, you know, it, it validates her because she's an incredibly smart person. And, you know, she likes, she likes knowing that like a thing that she knows about push somebody in the right direction. Of course. Yeah. Um, but there was no talent. <laughs> I, I had no talent. I mean, well, I like, maybe I, you didn't know it was, I, but it I was think latent it, it, maybe, or it was like, it's, you know, like people get, um, you know, I, I don't know what it is. Like when you, the thing where you like count everything, like you count every step as you're going down it or up it. Like that's, I had that, that was like making the pizza exactly the same perfectly. Every single time was so settling. Yeah, low grade OCD. Yeah, and then you know, 
work in the oven on a busy night and like, you know, all the stuff that's going on and like making sure and all that stuff. It was, it was the, um, I liked being in the kitchen more than I liked cooking for sure. I mean, this was like, Hmm. you know, this was a mid nineties. Nobody went to culinary school. Like this wasn't like, it wasn't like a thing, you know, I didn't know anybody that went to culinary school, um, or even talked about it really. So when you went to CIA, did anything transfer or were you starting over from scratch? There, no, because it's, you know, it's their own accreditation. Yeah. There's no core curriculum. It's all culinary. It's all based on what they think it should be. Um, you know, CIA was born out of World War II, oh. where people coming back from the war needed a, a vocation. Oh. So they... I don't know if it was a government grant or whatever, but it's a nonprofit. They definitely put the money somewhere and, it's yeah. in, you know, <laughs> making, making everything look real nice and charging people a lot of money. We just got a, I just got a, uh, a request for an externship. Externship is what you do in the middle of culinary school at CIA. You leave, you know, wherever you're at and you go and you move somewhere mm-hmm. for several months and you work, work, you know, and it said non-paid on it. And I'm just like, what fucking world are you people <laughs> living in that you would suggest that a student at your school goes out into the world and fucking works for free? That's yeah. insane. Yeah. If they get paid, does it, is there like red tape there where it can't count as a course credit? No. No, oh. no, no. No. It's just there. It's just bullshit. It's bullshit. Yeah. It's huge bullshit. Hmm. Yeah, it's what student awful. can I mean, afford to do, to do that without like, mom and dad writing a check? Or right, whatever. and I mean, not for nothing, but like, who who would take advantage of that? Who who in our industry right now would be like, Oakley Doakley, I'm going <laughs> to have somebody f- and not pay yeah, them. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. But did you do that as your, did you do an externship, I would imagine? I did. I went I went to um, New Orleans. I went to Commander's Palace. And, oh, uh, home uh, of the turtle soup. Yeah, I made a lot of turtle soup. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. In what form are the turtles coming in? Frozen. Are, are, in fro- the shell, though? Or no, is it just no, the no. meat? No. Okay, so you're not de-shelling a turtle. No, I've tried. It's the, <laughs> is the, it like Super Mario Brothers where you just jump on top of it and <laughs> the turtle meat just squirts right out of it? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> You should look up. You should look up the skeletal structure of a turtle. Like oh, it's insanity. Is it gonna like haunt what, my dreams? What those look like? Yeah, Danny's too squeamish shell. for that. <laughs> it's crazy. So I, try, I actually tried one time to like debone a turtle, and I was just like, <laughs> "You're like, I give up. Oh, what the fuck this yeah, is? Leave it to the pros." But well, you're the king of pork, not the king of turtles. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. <laughs> but uh, we, I mean, I was making six dollars an hour. You know, this yeah. is 1999. Yep. So it's enough to buy a car at that time. It was enough to pay rent. <laughs> yeah. It was enough to like live, buy kind of. No. You know. Um. But yeah. So how long were you in New Orleans? It was. Uh, I think externship back then was uh, five five and a half months. That's a long time. You're, so you're at the Commander's Palace the whole time. Yeah. And enjoying new Orleans and getting out to eat or, Not or really. just really working. It was, it was a lot of work and I lived outside. I lived in Metairie, which okay. is a little bit outside of the city, which was good for me. Um, did you like commanders? I, um, it's like a big machine. It's a machine for mm-hmm. sure. It's, that's a kind of a loaded question just because, um, I enjoyed the, ex- I, 
looking back, the experience that I, I got was um, very necessary to have, you know. Like, Is that on the hospitality side or the um, food side? Uh, both. Okay. Both. Yeah, the hospitality side, the guy, <laughs> the maitre d' there at the time uh, held the Guinness Book of World Records for biggest tip ever received <laughs> and was uh, it a lottery ticket no it was uh like fucking the guy that like invented advil or some shit like <laughs> came in and was like you know uh you know palmed him 10 grand wow. and goes and then after that goes you have kids and he said yeah and he palmed him another 10 wow so, so, and I asked cash. him, I was like, did you really, yeah, cash. Oh man. I'm like, did you really get a $20,000 tip? He goes, he goes, no, 19.8. I bought him dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Not according to the government. I didn't. <laughs> but I mean like that and just, I mean the, the, the wow. organization yeah. to get, I mean, we did, you know, Mother's Day, we did, I think, you know, 1400 people oh, so, you know, God, for brunch yeah. wow. for half the day. That's crazy. And it's like, it's insane. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I was a kitchen where I, and it was big place and like real, you know, kind of retrofitted into this incredibly, yeah. uh, beautiful old, um, you know, Victorian, I guess, house. Mm-hmm. How do they keep the standards consistent across that many dishes, covers, a line that big? <sighs> yeah. Good question. Uh, I don't, there's a lot didn't. of yelling, a lot of cocaine. I don't know. I mean, standards are were a weird thing back then because, like, you know, the dishwasher would be – the dishwasher was on the line. There was a dish machine in the middle of the line, the back line. I don't know if it's still there, but, like, the dude would be smoking cigarettes, you know, hmm. the whole time, washing dishes. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. You know, like – on the line. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, fear, a, a lot of it was definitely fear and yeah. like machismo and, you know, uh, they would hand out, um, fuck, what's that stuff called? Truckers speed. Nodos. Yeah. Basically they would hand it out before service. <laughs> this is just nuts. I don't know. Yeah. Danny can't even drink coffee. Yeah. You wouldn't last a day. Yeah, it was. It was. I've it was just got lot. that natural energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was nobody there with natural energy. <laughs> but it was like, you know, work hard, play hard crew. And, you know, like that kind of stuff. I mean, we would go across the street to the to the mausoleum, you know, after service, like, you know, 10 of us and like you know chef would bring out a bottle of tequila and we'd just go around until it was gone it usually went pretty quick yeah and uh you know then go out and i don't don't know it was it Mm. was it was a time it was it was i mean it was an experience so to answer your question yes it was valuable Mm. um i wouldn't do it again i wouldn't recommend recommend that people do it i try and like dissuade them (laughs) yeah we'll take take experiences and kind of like parse them for people and you know talk about the good parts of it and like if you want the experience of like a big place go to a big place but be real sure be be sure that you're not gonna fucking there's no advantage of exactly there's no that that day and age hopefully ended with uh my generation Mm -hmm. you know so it's the next job after that i guess you go back you finish cia yeah you go back to pizzazz and then you end up in spain well right? yeah or how does that y- unfold yeah no that's right i um 
the year like end of end of CIA I how do you know all this stuff I've got your uh, bio <laughs> here <gonna> <laughs> I figured this was going to be more like so what happened then yeah um, <laughs> um, towards the end of CIA I kind of you know was uh, again unsure what to do were the people like the mentors there the teachers prof- I don't know how they refer to yeah teachers chefs. professors chefs were they noticing that you had skills at this point in time? Um, like the were you talent, a was, student? talent was emerging? not really. I mean, no, no, not at all. I'm in fact, I, I went, uh, there's, you know, people in my class, like I was in class with Justin Smiley, who's a chef in New York, um, who he never came back after externship because he was so much better than everybody else. And, you know, at, at CIA is a, it, any culinary school is takes all kinds, takes all sorts. But I mean, so does life. And, you know, people who can't deal with people asking what they perceive to be uh, stupid or basic questions, um, they don't make it either. So, you know, there's there's it's it's really the middle. Yeah. <laughs> the, okay. the, the middle class that's just kind of like there and willing to take on information and doesn't know. I didn't know what a stock was when I went to culinary school, you know. Um, but like, if you're too good, you leave, you know, because Mm -hmm. there's so many who are, you know, all they had was six months of experience at McDonald's and they went to culinary school, which, you know, that's, that's their right. And when (laughs) at CIA, when you, at least when I went there, there was something called a group leader. So every group elected a leader and I don't know why, but I put my hand up. It was really just like, you know, it was sort of a bureaucratic position where, you know, you go and get the next, um, the next classes like, um, syllabus and distribute it to your class so that everybody's prepared and and stuff like that. And it's, you know, there's not a whole lot of like power, Mm -hmm. um, in it, but, um, but it sort that specific situation where you got one person who's like really, really, really talented and one person who's a total knucklehead and asking like super basic questions, being able to like having to talk to the person who's, who's excelling and explain to them that not everybody knows what they know. And her, you know, this person's basic questions are helpful to me mm-hmm. as somebody who wants to learn and wants to gain like, a, a you know, sort of foundational knowledge, um, on anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, you gotta like, just f- fucking chill the fuck out yeah. and like, let them ask the question. And if you do yourself the favor of tur- tuning in, then it might spark something else. Yeah. Like you don't need to know the answer to the question. True. But you need to understand like where this person's coming from. I didn't know then, but now I know it's because this person might be your employee. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, know? Right, right. Like, right. Yeah. Um, so like, again, I'm not sure that I would same with commanders. I'm not sure that I would like uh, encourage everybody to go to culinary school, but at the same time, there are definitely there's humanity there um, where you can you can see it you can experience it you're you're immersed in it like and that's what I liked about CIA 
It was incredibly immersive. It was like, this is, it looked like fucking Brave New World. Yeah. You know, with everybody walking around wearing the same uniform, same hats, going through the same things, same emotions. And, um, you know, same, same ideas of what they should do afterwards. The afterwards sometimes came sooner than they wanted them to because it was pretty easy to fail out. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you were on a scholarship or something, they, yeah. would, they would definitely like, you know, they wanted the people who were paying. Yeah, full, right. Full, that full makes sense. That's why I was surprised you were kicked out of, uh, what was it called? in uh, Elmira. Yeah. Like they're saying bye to the two. Actually, no, they're probably keeping your tuition if you're kicked out, right? Uh, no, they got to refund whatever part of the year, I would assume. It's, uh, yeah. There was no way they weren't kicking me out. <laughs> we we were we we so what happened was yeah we were smoking a bong in our dorm room got wicked super power baked and went next door to an, the other dorm room we're playing video games left our door completely open with a candle burning next to the bong <laughs> and we're sitting there playing fucking you know ice hockey on fucking yeah an hlpa 90 something yeah and uh like somebody swingers. comes in they're yeah. like hey just so you know every best. security guard on campus is in your room right now <laughs> oh, man. just like and you're like cool is it a party you want, yeah. want to smoke weed or what so yeah bad there you know regardless of you know their threshold for kicking people out we were yeah you're we made it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we're above top of the list <laughs> <laughs> that day yeah um, so how did you end up in spain oh so uh after at the end of culinary school i kind of got a hair wild hair up my ass that i wanted to go to france and get my ass kicked a yeah. little bit like mm-hmm. that's what you know culinary school had to write like roger verger was the 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 graduation speaker shit like that. I mean like old school French, you know, like, um, and then, you know, commanders is Creole, which has a lot of French influence. So I just, Mm -hmm. I thought it was, I thought there was a through line, you know? Yeah. So I, um, approached a chef, uh, and was like, you know, this is what I want to do. And he was like, well, I don't know anybody in France who's Spanish guy and Cabo. Jose, Jose and Cabo was the name of the chef. And he was like, but I know this family in Spain and you could go there. And again, pre-internet, you know, like I, 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 <laughs> I feel like an idiot admitting this. I didn't know that it was three Michelin stars. Yeah. You know, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about yeah. this place that I had said, sure, I'll go <laughs> yeah. like just total, like fucking, you know, like my feet are leading me somewhere. Yeah. And like, you know, my it heart and my out. heart are just kind of yeah. like along for the ride. Just keep moving forward. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I went back to Cleveland and I got a job at a place called Chow Kachina where I was line cook and a banquet cook and then had like pastry intent enjoyed pastry and it was one of those places where like the pastry chef left you like pastry now you're the pastry chef (laughs) so for an entire year every day seven days a week (laughs) i was the pastry chef in the morning at chow um and then a bartender at night at pizzazz So, I mean, literally, and I'm not, this is not, I I have a tendency for hyperbole. This is not hyperbole. Every single day, 
I woke up at 5 a.m., went to work, worked, you know, until 3 or 4, and immediately went to Pizzazz and bartended until 1 or 2 Man. every day. You're 22, many, 23 at this time? I was 20, no, 25. How much trucker speed were you doing? Not, I mean, I was drinking a lot yeah. for sure, but I, didn't, I wasn't doing, I never, I, the, that's the fucking rub about getting kicked out of Elmira. I didn't smoke <laughs> weed. Oh, it, <laughs> like, off of weed. I, it wasn't my thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, it never like, was. No, but I did that then. Yeah, yeah, like, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, college you're trying stuff. right totally. yeah. i mean i had yeah right but like you know you weren't habitual wasn't no yeah. it like made me super paranoid and i hated it yeah, yeah it doesn't seem ideal for a kid uh a sad boy no, tackling existential crises blues, yeah you know? correct yeah that makes sense <laughs> which i found out five years ago was, um, my stopping point yeah um, so were you living at home at this time when you're doing these long hours or did you no, have an apartment I had, somewhere? I had an apartment. Um, all right. I was living with, um, I was, what was that? I was, no, I was living in a house with, uh, this brother and sister that owned like a full house and great people. And that was kind of, um, familial mm, yeah. in, a, in a way without being like judgy. You yeah. know, and I'm sure they were judging me because I was like, I was a maniac. <laughs> yeah. Probably never there. Well, yeah. I mean, Come back like, to sleep. yeah, pretty much. But like, you know, still like you have somebody in your house who's, you know, using shit or coming home yeah. late and like making noise. I don't mm-hmm. know. They weren't, they were cool. They yeah. were very cool to me. They were, it was, it was, it's very appreciated how, how, um, sort of stoic they were about me yeah that is cool it's lucky very so then so saved a ton of money yeah (laughs) right yeah ten thousand dollars like saved so does that set you up to go to spain and kind of not worry about money as much as you might otherwise yeah oh right right Right. okay yeah in spain there was wow zero (laughs) dollars so you go from uh chow what was it called Chow Cucina and Pizzazz. And then you're in the kitchen at Arzac, which is Mm -hmm. a three Michelin star restaurant in Spain. (laughs) Culture shock? No shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when I figured out I wasn't making paella, (laughs) you know, like that was, uh, that was, that was something. It was something. And how long had Arzac been around at that time? Oh, I mean, the restaurant is from the 1800s. Okay. Oh, whoa. Um, but when did it, since when did it have the three Michelin star designation? It be the whole sort of um, nouvelle cuisine um, yeah. renaissance, you know, where everybody was like trying new shit. And then they, you know, really leapfrogged everything. But I mean, the, the uh, zeitgeist sort of switched from france to spain with arzac and barisategui and el Bulli and um all those places so it was it was um it was just just switching yeah you know and how impactful was that experience Huge. on your culinary career unbelievable unbelievably impactful like can't can't overstate it do you have some stories from there <sighs> I mean, it was just, it really, uh, I mean, sure. But I mean, it, 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 
I think the important thing for me was that it spoke to me out of a, a you know, there's different ways of looking at it. You know, restaurants aren't um, monolithic. Like, not every place serves pizza. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but I mean, for a, a knucklehead like me, it's like, you know, I didn't have that experience. Like, you know, Commander's Palace was the was the was the most recognized place that I'd ever been, and that was also the first place that I've ever recognized place that I've ever been. Like, sure, I enjoyed being in a kitchen. I enjoyed, you know, being at Pizzazz, um, and not to take anything away from them because it is a great place. Um, you know, we didn't make stock, you know, and and we didn't, um, you know make Caesar dressing or, or emulsifications or anything like that. So the stuff that I learned at culinary school, the basics, um, I had never been somewhere where it was like put into practice except for commanders. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then chow, you know, but, um, it was a big itch to scratch, which was the, the sort of outside the box thinking, and, you know, Arzac was, I had days off, which was crazy. So I, you know, and I had been lucky enough to find a person whose apartment I was living in, who, you know, also was a cook, um, who was never there because he was like running his kitchen. And, uh, you know, I had days off to, to just go to the markets and, and buy unbelievably beautiful seafood and meat and vegetables and things like that. And, and, and just fuck around with them at home. Yeah. And there was like also sort of a motley crew of, you know, Spanish people or people from all over the world, really. Yeah. That's a beautiful part of Spain as well. Well, I mean, the restaurant yeah. employed, I mean, there was, you know, Italian people, Japanese people, like African people from all parts of Africa. It was, it was, uh, global. Everybody wanted to go there. I mean, the zeitgeist really did, um, shift fully, you know, so either, you know, Ferran Adria would come in all the time. Like Anthony Bourdain came in, Wiley Dufresne came in. Like, I mean, all these things that, you know, I look at Wiley's, uh, opening menu at WD 50 and I'm like, I, yeah, I you saw where that came from that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it, I mean, not like, you know, ver verbatim. Um, but definitely like the ideas that were being generated there and that part of the world were wholly influential in a way that I've, you know, I, I feel very lucky to have, have seen from sort of ground zero. Yeah. You know, how much time did you spend there? So I think total it was, so, I mean, for in, Spain back then for like visas and stuff, you had to, you had to leave the country after a certain amount of time and then you could come back and it was, it was before nine 11. So you could, you, you could just like, it was right on the go border to France of France. And then right. Come right back. Yeah. So I would go to France and like, you know, make little trips and whatever. And I spent a couple of weeks just, um, kind of tooling around and then went back. So I, I want to say it was like, it was like four and a half. I was there for, it was like four and a half months. Yeah. In the kitchen. Cool. Did you ever think of working there? Like, you know, for yeah. real? Yeah. There's the guy, uh, you know, the, the chefs, Juan Marie and Elena, um, 
Yeah, I mean, Elena was pretty much, like, running it when I was there. I mean, oh, really? I went, like, 10, 10 years ago. Yeah. And it was like the transition was kind of happening. Yeah. And she was in the kitchen. Every, every, they were both in yeah. the kitchen every he day. He was there, but it was like you could, you know, she was more... I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was nuts to see. And especially since I sort of didn't have, um, like a baked in reverence for them and I could just kind of like treat them like regular people, which I think they, they, I know they appreciated. Yeah. But I was also the only American in the kitchen. How so, was your Spanish? Uh, it got a lot better when you get fucking yelled at. <laughs> like you, you tend, you tend to learn those words yeah. <laughs> real quick. <laughs> and I got yelled at a lot. Um, not by them, um, but by, you know, Antelina, she would fucking <laughs> light me up, man. Um, how would you describe, um, Spanish hospitality at that level? Cause that's, that's as, that's as high as it gets. It is, but it's still, you know, uh, Basque people, um, are such they're so um proud of their of their region their culture their dialect their language Mm -hmm. their tradition um that they and and protective of it in a way that they don't want certain people the rest of spain the rest of france to sort of adopt it but if you come in as a visitor as a you know newbie as a blank page, they love telling you about it. Hmm. So it was, you know, like the sommeliers would always like pull me aside and talk to me about wine. And I really, I think just because I was like sort of a lamb, you know, like wide eyed and, you know, interested, it was interesting. Um, but the service, and I mean, like, you know, I've, I've run into people, very famous chefs who are like, man, Arzac is the worst fucking meal I've ever had. You know? <laughs> just weird goo. Yeah. We and, had a pretty special meal. I felt it was very like comfortable and welcoming and warm was, was our experience. And we were obviously, you know, nobody's just regular people going to eat there. I, I felt the same, Yeah, you know, being in the kitchen, it was a lot of work. Yeah. It wasn't super stuffy. It was just like really creative. I mean, I think, you know, at the time my mom, whatever, it's kidney issues, she can't have a certain amount of protein at this time, but she really loves burgers. So they like send out, it was like an iPad with like a screen on top that had like a burger image kind of like in flames, like on the video screen. And then there was like a dish served on top of that screen. Yeah. Just like Whoa. crazy. Wacky okay. So stuff. it's, they, completely it's artistic. Outside. Okay. 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 <laughs> they had, I and mean, I think the, they improvised it because like our somehow like sure. she had mentioned that she used to like burgers. I don't even know how, I don't think it was a standard dish. It was like just a set they like came up with on the That's spot. Cool. It was wild. There's a guy named, uh, Sabi X A B I Gutierrez who was the guy that came up with all the dishes and he would just like, you would, you know, you would spend hours cleaning these tiny little mushrooms and shit like that. And he would just take them, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it was, he was that, he was that guy. He was like, I have an idea. It needs this. doesn't matter what, you know, if you have to make more nicest guy in the world, he owned a chocolate shop. Um, also, so he was really big into pastry, which I was also into wrote books on a bunch of books on chocolate. Mm. Is he still involved? 
I think he might have left the restaurant. He's still alive. Yeah. I, I, I definitely look him up. Um, but he, he, you know, he also, again, a lamb, you know, took a liking to me. And, like, everybody wanted to be, like, Sabi's, like, helper. Or whatever, right. Yeah. Totally. And, you know, he knew that I was, like, into exploring the region and, and France and Spain. And one time, I mean, out of nowhere, he was like, he was like, do you have to work today? And we're like at work. It's like, <laughs> yeah. in the morning. like I'm already at work. I'm yeah. like, here I am. <laughs> and he's like, we go to take the jet to France for lunch. <laughs> and I'm like, at like our page. Oh my and I'm gosh, just, we yeah. didn't go. I'm just like, yeah, 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 yeah. And it was like, it was one of those, like, like when you're, you know, a kid and like, this girl's going to talk to me, this girl's going to talk to me, this girl's going to talk to me, those sort of butterflies. Yeah. And then it never happened, which is, girls never talk to me either. So I was very familiar with that, uh, with that. But um, Do you want to go to our patch? You're like, yes. Uh, for cool, lunch. It's not happening. Yeah, yeah right. Now, I, I'm taking a survey. I just want to know if you're interested. In no, it was like he had planned on it too. And then like something happened or yeah. whatever. He's like, I can't go. You know, Well, like, I think you should make it happen. It's not too late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This hasn't yeah. happened yet. Yeah. All right. I want to make sure we get to Chicago eventually. I, you spent some time in Portland, Maine. Yeah. at uh four street any anything of note there um yes i mean also like incredibly impactful um um cooking hospitality um knowing myself knowing my uh shortcomings um not necessarily grappling with them but starting to like understand who i was as a person what were the shortcomings you noticed well i mean a lot of the reason that i went to spain is because i was drinking like or maine um is because i was drinking a lot a lot a lot what did maine have to do with that uh running away oh i see Mm -hmm. okay running away not knowing (laughs) that uh you know alcohol abuse in maine is a very real thing Uh, hmm. um so that didn't exactly help was uh, it, did you go from Spain to Maine? I went from Spain to no. I went back to Cleveland, and I was on the opening team at a restaurant called Fire in Shaker Square, Doug Katz's place. That I think it just closed, but it was it was twenty years it was open. Um, and then I was the sous chef at a place called Sage Bistro for a while. Um, and then I went, and then I okay. went to Maine. Um, but Maine, the way I, I've said this before, either out loud or to myself, and between Arzac and Four Street, I kind of walked, came away from both those experiences with, it's okay to think outside the box as long as you're cooking the box right. Yeah, mm. you know, like you, you you can you can be as creative as you. I absolutely ever want to be, but it can't be shit. It's got to, yeah, it's, it's gotta all about execution. Good. It's got to be delicious. People have to enjoy it. Like there's no, there's no world in which you put some, and I, I have de- like, after that, I definitely like at Nightwood, I feel I strayed away from that several times. Um, but always came back to, and still try to come back to, um, it's got to be delicious. You know, it can be weird as fuck, but it's got to be delicious. Mm-hmm. You know, that's me. And when me and Ben opened Giant, 
Um, that was our mantra, you know, like it, it's like it, it can be anything, but it's got to be delicious first. And if the inverse is true, where the anything, anything comes first, then you it's a loser. Yeah. You stone cold loser. Yeah, that makes sense. So how does I mean, yeah, I feel like we at this point maybe should jump around a little bit. Some to Sorry. me, some no, That's no, right. no, it's so all like good. You no. got to edit some of this shit. <laughs> no. no, I mean some some seemingly significant experiences. I mean Lula, obviously yeah. Nightwood. Lula, Lula's your first job in Chicago, two thousand five. First job in Chicago, yeah. Like I was, I was, um, I you know, I sometimes uh, well up thinking about how fortunate I was to land there. Yeah. It seems like that was really a family and it seems like maybe you needed that sort of support for sure. And I was in that sense, definitely kept it at arm's length, Mm. no matter, I think necessarily, you know, I was, it was, I was a professional at that point. So Mm -hmm. like the thought of like, um, in my head, I was a professional. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, I mean, you've got a, a pretty extensive resume, at, resume at this time. Yeah. And but, experience. But, you know, like going into a place and, and thinking like, this is going to be my family right. seemed uh, counterintuitive to, 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 to that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, I, I remember the interview very clearly and Leah, Jason's wife, who was, at that time, but you know, before they had kids there every day and it was the two of them and they were, they were, they were the, the show they were, they were it. And they had just been on check please. And they were getting real busy and they were like, Oh shit, we need like, we need help, not help, but like, um, we should hire a sous chef. And I moved there and Mindy Siegel actually, uh, got me the job. Wow. Nice. How'd you, how did you know Mindy? Um, so my roommate that I was living with was, um, he had been, he had moved to Chicago right after culinary school. We were roommates in culinary school and, um, he was the sous chef at trio and then the opening sous with Curtis at Alenia. Mm. So on one, you know, as they were opening Alenia, we were living together. So he had, you know, his, his days were a little bit weird where they would go to, um, one of the investors houses and test all the recipes. And then he would have the nights off and I didn't have a job. So we would go to like Pontiac and get, you know, <laughs> booger yeah. flinging drunk. That's the place before <laughs> big star. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, uh, Wait, we who was this John Peters. Okay. His name is, um, big John. Um, not the Caddyshack producer. That's different. Danny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you moved to Chicago for the job at Lula? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Moved, so you were I there moved to already. Chicago just to come back to the Midwest. Okay. Like Maine, Maine, Maine is a wonderful place, beautiful um, for a Midwestern kid. It's, you know, it's very, everybody's very standoffish. And mm. I ended up with really good friends and like really good, you know, uh, situation there. Like, but... Um, definitely missed the Midwest, Mm -hmm. you know, and didn't really want to move back to Cleveland. Yeah. Um, so no, we just, we went to Mindy's, uh, one of the first nights she was open Hmm. at hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. And she was just like, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> she's the best. <laughs> Who the hell are I'm, you? <laughs> I got nominated for a beard, you know, for a beard award <laughs> like a few years ago, and I remember so specifically Mindy and Ari Bendersky like just being like, you know, this is as far as you're getting. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, I miss that Jewy grit, you know, like that just you fucking assholes. Like, of course you're right. Like, I know you're you think right. I don't know I, that. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's like, but that's like, you know, Jews. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you there? I'm yeah. like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, you're not going to win. I know. <laughs> like, okay. Um, but yeah, she's like, who are you? And she's like, I know people are looking for a sushi and like Hamill called me and I'm like, who are you? And he's like, he's like, Mindy gave me your number. I'm like, oh, awesome. And I very vividly remember, um, eating at Lula, you know, the next night with a friend of mine who's here in Chicago and we had, uh, quail with stuffed with farro and apple and pine nut. And it was just like it was fucking perfect. It yeah. was, it was not only perfectly executed, um, but the time and the place and the style, it's not a Lula isn't a style. Lula is a, a, a Lula is Lula, but the style was, uh, really, it was so impactful. It was so, nice it was so nice and uh yeah it was so nice it was so great loved it yeah the best so you get hired on yeah how long are you there for uh at lula for i mean lula 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 uh four years and then nightwood and then nightwood yeah like i i hedged because we had started planning nightwood um probably three years in like they were looking at spaces like two years in yeah you know actually one of them was down here on grand and it's that uh i can't remember what it became now it's like a showroom or something but it would have been cool yeah it's a cool building west of ashland that's where all the showrooms are yeah shit i'm gonna i'm spacing on what the name is of the place but i remember just like you know where you like stalk something yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, like right. drive down and you're like looking at it you're like that's it that's so cool <laughs> yeah. yeah and then it didn't happen and i was like fuck yeah <laughs> grand's like just starting to pop off they with the beautification yeah. years yeah. of construction what were uh, <laughs> what were some of the things that you had learned from from hamill um well i to be clear hamill and leah because like they were such a such a unit unit cohesive unit um, at that point, and I really uh, I was very brash. I you know I was uh, I don't know. I my my headspace was um, confused at that point, and a, a lot most of it I credit to being an alcoholic. Um, and not really realizing it at that point and thinking I was being incredibly impatient with so many people and so embarrassingly, uh, you know, offensive and um, toxic, did, you know. Did they, like, sit you down sometimes? And they're like, hey, uh, 
Um, I sit down is the wrong way to look at it. They were, they were supportive. Um, they were, they, you know, they were young too. Yeah, you know, this was, no one was perfect. No. And, and head on confrontation isn't always the best method there. Right. And I, I don't think I was doing anything that was confrontational in their eye. Or no, I meant for needed, them intervening with you. Be, right. I, cause I mean, I'll, I'll be honest and, and this is, you know, maybe projecting, but you know, they, their kitchen experience was Lula. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, like Hamill, like he was, he's, is an um, incredible writer and Leah is an incredible musician and they kind of found themselves at Lula, which, you know, is part of the beauty of it. They found each other at Lula too. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Logan beach. Yep. Um, (laughs) And was the plan for you to always kind of be, were you the exact chef of Nightwood? Yeah. So was the plan to always like, you know, install you and have you be kind of the, the leader, the culinary leader of Nightwood? Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, uh, as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is you know? many people's uh, favorite restaurant. And really? It was mine for sure. Oh, man. Uh, we had many amazing date nights there. Ellie and I. Yeah. We talked to you about that rabbit farfalle or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah. So what what was Nightwood like? Um, it was. I tra- or the transition, sorry, you know, from Lula to Nightwood and how. It's they your prepared. first opening, right? No. Well, No. Uh, I mean, I opened the place I was a dishwasher. Oh, okay. I opened um, Fire. I opened Sage. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so you came in with experience. Well, I mean, g- generalized, very, uh, either you can look at it as 30,000 feet in the air or, or underground. Yeah, right. <laughs> <It's like laughs> how it feels. Um, but see, you know, I am I, like looking back on like how many uh, mm-hmm. restaurant openings I've been a part of in different capacities is um, definitely something that I, I, um, I, I think gives, gives me value. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just in, in understanding how it goes and how to do it. And I still fuck it up, you know, every time. Uh, <laughs> sometimes spectacularly. Um, but, but no, I, 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 at that point, had opened a bunch of restaurants, which I think it was why I failed spectacularly at that one, because I had um, had it in my head. I tried to open somebody else's restaurant. You know, I tried to open Four Street. I tried to open Five Street. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I tried to open up Five Street with Arzac, like where it's this weird food, and it, but it's all done over fire. You know, menu changes every single this day. This Nightwood. Top to bottom, yeah. The handwritten menu. Handwritten. It was handwritten, and then it, yeah. 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 Well, it, yeah. Like exactly. Our, our, One uh, hand. The hostess, Laurel, um, wonderful person, uh, very patient. <laughs> <laughs> With um, your changes to the menu the last yeah, night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a fucking nightmare. But it was so fun, I mean... It was, for us, I mean, for, yeah. sure. No, I mean, for me, it was kind of, I mean, like, you know, you, like you get some knuckleheads in the kitchen and it's, it's like, you, you know, I, I wasn't a leader at that point. I didn't know how to lead yeah. at all. Lead like not example. even a little, I didn't even know. I didn't even know how to do that. Yeah. So there was a whole, you know, very important part of kitchens and restaurants that 
um, I didn't have. And it was like, it was amazing that you had that open kitchen that ran quietly. Yeah. There was like no communicate, no verbal communication, which is pretty, yeah, pretty remarkable at that time. Yelling. (laughs) I never heard any yelling or talking. Very (laughs) embarrassing. I apologize to everybody I ever yelled at. I'm sorry. So if you could go back and change one thing about that restaurant, what, what do you think it would be? Or do you think, or do you, do you look back on it fondly and say it's almost like ephemeral art and that it just existed in that version and that's what it was? I mean, it, it would, I could think that the rub is that it wasn't my money. Mm-hmm. I didn't pay for the place and I was, you know, conducting it as if it didn't matter. And I was that was the wrong way to look at it. Yeah. So there's it, a little bit of guilt in there. A lot of like, guilt. Yeah. A lot of guilt. A lot. Because it was, it, you know, Hamill and Leah had like, this is, you know, they had put their faith in me mm-hmm. and I was treating it as if it was, you know, um, I was, it was cavalier. Yeah. It but was, also in hindsight, we made some cool food, Yeah, yeah. you know, like, I mean, it, yeah, but I mean like two years in when I had, when my, uh, or my first daughter was born and the getting in at eight o'clock in the morning and rewriting certain, not even rewriting, throwing away yesterday's menu and starting <laughs> yeah, over, um, like entirely was like, I can't fucking do this anymore. Yeah, it was unsustainable. Yeah, it's a lot to and, take on and it at was, that point in your life. Right. And it was around the same time when, um, you know, it's a two-year-old restaurant in Pilsen that's too fancy for the neighborhood. Yeah. So business started to dry a up to a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Hamill was like, dude, we need a menu. Like we, we like we, a set menu. We, you mean. we need to have some dishes that are, that are just this, this is on the menu. Yeah. Like we had the burger, yeah. you know, and the chicken and the trout. But um, brunch he, he, had the consistent uh, that butterscotch bacon yeah. donut or whatever. Well, brunch, yeah, brunch. I mean, oh my god, I have memory hold that too. Right? <laughs> yeah. Just how nuts it was. You it did was it one day a week, nuts. Sunday. We it went to it nuts. many times. Uh, that donut, I still think about. Yeah, that was uh, a uh, what's his name? Enoch. E- Enoch. Yeah. Yeah. What a wild well, place. You got a lot of accolades while there. Yeah. Towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. And you became the king of pork during that time, right? That's right. King of <laughs> pork. Shock. Five, five, five. Yeah. Best new chef, food and wine. That picture I still remember is like the crown and you yeah. the eater article. I had my daughter with me and, <laughs> yeah. and a few of them. I love that picture. <laughs> um, yeah. James Beard nomination, as you talked about, for uh, Best Chef Great Lakes, Bib Gourmand Award. So you, you, you started, I mean, there was traction there. So it was, did you just need some time off and to rethink things? I guess, I mean, I was, uh, I don't, I don't think, uh, you know, all that stuff like is, is great, but like my, I've made it my mission to try and contact as many, um, like best new chefs as they get it. Like Jeannie and Tim, I was I just sent him a note and I was like, listen, the next year of your life, everybody's going to want something from you. And it's 
just okay to say no. And you're like starting with me, and then you ask them for a favor. <laughs> I actually you're like, did. hey, can you I get me so into bad. Kusama a- for a reservation at <laughs> No, but when fucking Trump got elected, I contacted the ACLU, and I was like, what do we do? So we put on this dinner every year that benefits the ACLU, and we raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for them. And I asked that year, I asked Jimmy yeah. and Tim, well, I'm like, I didn't really think it was going to be me, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. but I mean, like that whole year, it's like, dude, I wasn't at the restaurant. Yeah. You were all. traveling and I doing was traveling demos and, and stuff. Daddy likes an airport bar, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. so I was fucking treating it all like vacations and not vacations. Cause it was like, I was making like enormous amounts of food and shipping it and like doing like crazy stuff. it was insane yeah and i i mean burned out isn't isn't even the right word like there's no there's no level of i've never felt that way before like i was so dead so when that news comes out who starts who's like just immediately your phone is ringing off the hook who, for best new chef yeah when when they announce it at least back then i don't know how it goes now you're you're in new york Okay. Like they fly you there and there's like a, you meet everybody else. And, um, then like, there's a, I don't know when they announce it, but they announce it. And then, yeah, totally. Your phone starts ringing off the hook. Hmm. And at what point do you start to realize that you want to have your own restaurant that you want to like not work for anyone else? You're like, I gotta have my own place. Um, I mean, in the, so after Nightwood, I <clears throat> spent. And you at, met Ben at Nightwood, right? At Lula. Oh, at Lula. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Lou, like <laughs> Ben was like, Ben got hired when I was away for my, on my honeymoon and I got back and he was there at Lula. And like, we got a new sous chef. <laughs> I'm like, after a day I was told Hamill, I was like, this guy's my sous chef. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. At Nightwood. I mean, it was just like, it just great person, great personality, uh, incredibly hard worker, um, gives a shit, you know, yeah. that's all the qualities you need. Yeah. Kind. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know that I did want my own restaurant. I like we, I, you know, left Nightwood when my second daughter was about to pop and, um, I think it was just more guilt, you know, not being around type of thing. Like yeah. mm-hmm. I remember being in the <clears throat> car and at an event with uh, a guy named Gerard Kraft from St. Louis. We were in Sonoma. We were going to do an event and we were just talking. He was talking about how he felt about having kids and his guilt with not being around. And um, it really, He's a really smart guy, really, you know, compassionate and, and, you know, just made me think. Yeah. Kind of like how to have a more flexible schedule and be more present with the family. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, not, not just for me, but for everybody, you know, it's like, it can't, this, the industry can't be, you know, you're not a fucking monk. Yeah. You know, you don't have Mm -hmm. to, you don't have to take a vow like where you like the the sort of colloquialistic like way of looking at it where it's you know there are these things that go on and there's these sayings and you know like 
we abide by them and you know you're you know if you burn out don't turn out or whatever the fuck it is like you know <laughs> like it's like those that's that's those are those are sayings yeah you know that's not dogma like right. it's it it can't so i spent a lot of that time um interviewing i went to you know a lot of people called me which was weird um saying you know going through interview processes more to knowing that i didn't want to like knowing that i didn't want to move you know yeah. out of chicago but still kind of like going through these these interviews just to like i don't know maybe gain some experience on what what would be expected of me type of thing more so i could understand what my expectations should be for myself if that makes any sense yeah mm mm-hmm. mhm knowing full well I was going to say no, you know? Um, yeah, but maybe in your mind, piecing together the what the right opportunity would look like when it did come along. Well, like, and it guided me towards questions that I could ask people that I trusted. You know, mm-hmm. um, Matt Jennings is a great example. Really smart guy. I asked him every fucking question under the book, <laughs> under the sun. You know, like everything about restaurants. Like back to culinary school even if you know the answer, here's somebody else's, you know? Um, and then my wife was like, you know, you're not going to be happy working for somebody else. And, uh, you know, I should, at that point I should have known that about myself, but I didn't. Yeah. Um, but she was right. And she, you know, we, we went down the path on like one space and it didn't work out and kind of was reeling from that a little bit, like not knowing what to do. You know, I'd already started raising money and had spent some of it on, on that, on like drawings for that space. And I was just like, fuck, like, what do you know, what am I doing? Is it already giant at this time? It like was Ben on board and you have the name and stuff. Ben was on board from, yeah, like this, we, like we were going to open a place together, you know? And where was Ben coming from? Was Nightwood. he still at Nightwood? Well, he, at that point he took a, he wanted to learn butchery. So he was at PQM. Okay. Um, and learned a ton. He was like scratching that itch. Um, and I was like trying to like figure out how to open a restaurant like having been part of a bunch of openings doesn't give you, it gives you certain perspectives, but definitely not how to fucking do it. Yeah. You know, how to, how take to take the lead. Right. Yeah. How, to, how to generate a restaurant from <laughs> things that I have. It, like I, I didn't know. So, um, then my wife showed me the spot that's giant now. She's like, what about there? And I was, you know, it was, um, sort of serendipitous in that like my last night at Nightwood, we went to Scofflaw, you know, (laughs) and I remember being incredibly drunk (laughs) standing in front of what is now giant, you know, on my last night at Nightwood. It was, it's, I don't know. I didn't know that story. Yeah. Hmm. Was Danny at the bar? Maybe if it was at that time. Probably. Yeah. You guys printed out like little, 
you did a, dr- a special drink <laughs> over here called the Carnegie the, car- the corner of Carnegie in Ontario because that's where <laughs> that's Jacobs awesome. Field is in Cleveland where the Indians or the Guardians play. Oh, that's so cool! Yeah, it was a, like a special drink for it. It was very hospitable and yeah, yeah it's I, clearly very memorable for Danny. <laughs> no, yeah, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we were all drinking a lot. I, you know, I was drunk before. <laughs> a lot I got of drinking there. in that in those times. So giant is not a giant space. Did you, uh, did you, was that the idea? Were you looking for smaller spaces? Uh, no, yes, maybe. Uh, you know, it was just, I it, like, again, it was, I was, I was like a leaf blowing in the wind, Yeah, you know? You said one, you know, vertical record player and he was just looking for a place to put it. I, and that I, was the whole restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't even know. Is it the Zenith one? Which, which vertical? It's the, um. I just remember it so vividly. It's a very cool Zenith. They are so cool. Shit, what's hard to come by? There's, it's a Chicago company, Gramavox. Oh, Gramophone. Gramophone. Oh no, Gramophone's out in LA. Um, I don't know. I can't remember. No, I'm still there. I'm thinking Clarophone. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. I have one of my. We had two. I had one. I have one at my house now. Yeah, the restaurant. It's very cool. Beyond that, that piece. But it was just that. It was like you know, the 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 basic thing that I was going into the restaurant with is trying to learn from my mistakes and not open somebody else's restaurant again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can't, you can't take your experiences and then try and uh, shoehorn them into another space and have it be um, genuine. So I had to really, <laughs> So the band Fish (laughs) (laughs) gave an interview. Um, I think the bass player, Mike, gave an interview long, long time ago where he said, we're we're really good at doing two things at the same time, which is putting ourselves in a room with all the information in the world about music and distilling it into and taking it all in and putting ourselves in another room knowing nothing. And it always resonated with me and I might be, you know, paraphrasing, but, um, that's how, that's how I wanted to go into it. You know, like there are rules and there are things and there's information and there's opinion, uh, and taking that all in and appreciating it effectively, uh, is a great thing. But if that becomes again dogmatic, and you're like, you're like, okay, we're doing this dish. Here's how we do it. That's no fucking fun, right? You know, there's nothing, there's nothing in there that, you know, you, you at at the end of the day, you're serving people food, and if you're serving them the same food that they've seen, or eaten, or tasted, uh, a bunch of times, you know, what you yeah, doing? what's gonna bring yeah. them back? Well, I mean, like, why? Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. It you ain't for the someone, money. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know? yeah, true. It's not. It's not for. It's not for any reason other than um, that. You you just you you like just to do it is the reason to do it. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. but and I think the reason to do it poorly isn't a reason. I think right. that's where there's kind of that intersection between art and food is like. You can walk through when you when you go to a museum on a field trip and there's a kid's like kids like I'm I could have done that. It's like, yeah, but you didn't. And that person was that was an original thing at the time. Right. 
you you're not if if you you know recreate a Mondrian, you, yeah, you can do it, but who are you helping? It's been done. But at the same time, just in that, there's um, there's different perspective in that. Um, I try and avoid people being able to say that constantly. Like if something goes on the plate and I'm, I can imagine, you know, Debbie (laughs) (laughs) saying I could have done that. Like that will infect my brain to the point where something else. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's the, that's the impetus or that's the, that's the encouragement to, to put your own twist or, or see all, all the knowledge of food and then bring it through your lens of experience and your execution. But then yeah. Danny even, says that every time I go to eat with him, he's like, I could have done that. But <laughs> even in there, like the, some, <laughs> but some, some of the thing that might happen is you just go, well, fuck Debbie. Yeah. You know, okay. she's wrong, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it goes on the plate. So if it's, if it can be assuaged to, to that, to that point where it gets on the plate and, you know, under the dish, there's a piece of tape that says, fuck you, Debbie. <laughs> you know? Only if you don't like it, Debbie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, right. Yeah. You know, is there, uh, so for like a dish creation, how do you approach that? How much of it is, is I need this to scratch this itch for me. This is my curiosity. And then how much of it is I need this to sell and I need, you know, I need this to be, I'm a bad businessman. Okay. So I'm, it is, it I'm is bad at business, not selfish, but it's, it's um you're you're expressing yourself there you remember welcome back cotter no in the school yeah, yeah. TV show. but there was one there was one it was uh horse shack where you would always go ooh, 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 ooh. Mm-hmm. like in my head he exists and i will not all not for every dish because like a, a point that I'm getting to now, which is really, really fulfilling is sort of coaching people through coming up with their own dishes and they're incredibly talented and probably don't need my coaching, but it's, you know, it's where I'm at. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'll be anywhere driving, sleeping anywhere. <laughs> and all of a sudden horse shack will just go, Ooh, Ooh, <laughs> and I'll be like, ooh. Yeah. And then I'll come in the next day and like Ben has seen it thousands of times. And Mike, who's the chef at Giant now, sees it far too frequently because he's busting his ass right now. But I'll walk, I'll turn the corner and he'll just see like, they'll, you know, that like what? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to make? What are we making? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, so it's, I mean, I definitely try to like, um, inform it a little bit more now. You yeah. Know, just did, because. Did you have to learn to listen to that ooh, ooh, ooh voice in your head or has that always been there? No, it's, it hasn't always been there and I, I like it. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's curiosity and yeah. it's like, it's, it's something, it's a feeling. I'm, I'm the same way you have, I, it's tuning my brain to recognize those moments and then having the discipline to put it in the notes on my phone so I can reference it later. And then I'm like, damn, what was that thought? Well, I mean, yeah, I agree with that. But I also think, I think if I don't remember it, then 
couldn't have been that good couldn't have been that good right (laughs) or it's like a dream you look at the notebook next to your bed you're like what the fuck is this right well i have a lot of (laughs) notes on my phone and i mean some of them been there for you know 10 years at this point and it's just like i've never made them because it's like i did that where i put them on my phone and i'm just like maybe we should read some of those in the gratuity (laughs) round (laughs) um and then where does chef special where does the idea for chef special come from how does that come about i mean if i'm being honest from you Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> oh, nice. Walking out a giant every night, seeing oh, a so. packed bar. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, man, bars probably make money, you yeah. know? And Danny uh, driving a solid gold car. <laughs> yeah. Man, Diamond not a lot of Subaru. money, but more <laughs> yeah. money than giant. I, you know, it's yeah. like a 44 seat restaurant. It's like, yeah, I'm sure we'll Can get we into so this a covers? little bit with fucking health insurance, but there is not a lot of money. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so it was like bigger space we should look for, um, I lived behind there on Claremont behind chefs. Yeah. For years. And then right when I move, you open and I'm like, God damn it. And that's when like fresh marketplace was just opening too. And I'm like, God, worst time. Yeah, Tim and I had a double date at chefs like a month ago. Something like that. It was like a year ago, Danny. When no, it was not. Uh, yeah, a couple of months ago. It was, yeah. was pre holidays. Yeah. And it was delicious. It's perfect. You. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. All right, cool. I mean, that was like. And it, how it does chefs, that. how does operating chefs differ from operating giant? I don't operate chefs. I mean, we, we um, identified a few people who are all employees at Giant who are absolutely uh, incredible. Like Chase. Chase and Aaron. Um, Aaron is, if not the best, one of the best cooks I've ever met. Just crushing. Crushing. Fo- the focus is like, it's unhealthy, to be honest. <laughs> and I tell him, we all tell him this. Yeah. Um, but he's nice. You know what I mean? It's not unhealthy that like sort of metastasizes into being a fucking asshole. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's like he's just loving it beyond kind. That's a good combo. Yeah, yeah, very good. It's rare, very rare. Yeah, and Chase is like fucking. She kn- she knows what she wants, and you know, sometimes uh, impetuous, but who isn't? Yeah, she's very capable, and yeah, and will completely consider. She doesn't, you know, she things happen or occur. And they've been through the juice, you know, with the pandemic and everything. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 a lot. That's a big weight. Yeah. And she had the clarity, has has the clarity of mind to really consider things, which I mean if if we if we hadn't, you know, we we gave them, we didn't get any money from them, we gave them ownership. And that's the way we like to do it. It was the same with Ben and Josh. That's the way I like to do it. Because it, it's, it's theirs, you know. And the ownership percentages have gone up. You know, it started pretty low. But after everything, it was like, holy fuck, no. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like if, we, if they hadn't had ownership, like, we would have closed. Like, absolutely. Yeah. You know, which taking everything into account wouldn't have been surprising. Yeah. Well, you made it through and, uh, things seem to be doing pretty well. 
do we want to get into the the health insurance stuff? Yeah. Yeah. What, so what is the current state of healthcare in the industry? Oh man. What is the right question to ask? Yeah. What would you like to? Well, I think, I, I mean, you know, we, for some reason it like it flew under the radar. I mean, we've been doing this since, since 2017. Yeah. And we had planned on doing it when we first opened in 2016. Um, and hedged because we weren't sure if the business would be able to support it. And did you, when you introduced it, did you have that upcharge on the menu mm -hmm. at that time? Yeah. So it's always been, they came at the same time. They came at the same time and we, you know, considered every aspect of it. Like, how are we going to in institute it the first month? You know, we're going to have this surcharge so that we can pay for next month. And we're going to literally have employees on the floor interacting with guests. And the guest is going to say health insur insurance, health insurance surcharge. Do you have health insurance? Then they'll be like, no, not yet. Yeah. Next month. So we, you know, had to save. So you had to could, front the money. Of yeah. course. Yeah. And when, when you first started talking about it, obviously it was important to implement it for you. Did you think of like, I mean, I would assume were you at first, like, okay, do we just make everything X percent more expensive? Do we do a surcharge? How did you come to those decisions? Um, well, a cup, a couple of things were happening then that I think are, are pertinent. Um, Trump is yep. a big one, uh, literally ran on getting rid of the affordable, uh, Care Act, Care Act. Yeah. and had, you know, um, the Rep Republicans had control of the house and were all clamoring to do the same. I think they, I think, I think at the end of Obama's term, they had the house and the Senate. I think that's right. And everybody wanted to get rid of it. And they, I mean, the house passed it, passed the fucking getting rid of it yeah. went under Trump in his first term. And he's standing there like an idiot going, it's, I did it. And like not understanding how law works at all. <laughs> I you know, undid not it. if you don't run the Senate too, bonehead. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, I having a lot of conversations with people about the ACA and can we just subsidize people to have their own health insurance? Because the goal, the general goal besides people having health insurance is to, um, affect their mood at work long and short they're they're i've been in so many places i mean where people are just fucking miserable because they're sick they have something going on they have a fucking goiter or a, a tumor or whatever yeah something you know even more benign benign yeah mullet, yeah um and it stresses them out like i have psoriasis i it, came out when I was in my twenties at four street, they gave me health insurance. They didn't even ask. They just put me on it. And that's when it was diagnosed. Uh, that's when I started getting treatment for it. The treatment was $20,000 a vial. And every six weeks I had to go get an infusion of this medicine, $20,000 each time, every six weeks. God. So not only would it have been impossible without health insurance, but even then with health insurance, my deductible was five grand. So January 1st, every year, give us five grand every time. Yeah. And it was like, that was putting me 
in the red. Yeah, mm-hmm. in a bad. Every, yeah. Like I was, you know. Yeah, you're start, starting the year off wrong. So, um, that definitely affected it. So, trying trying more and more to be empathetic towards what people in different industries are going through, and this isn't novel to the to that health insurance industry or to the hospitality industry. This is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Our system of healthcare is crazy. Yeah. Where if you get sick, you, I mean, this is post new deal. Like we passed laws in the forties and fifties where this sort of shit doesn't happen. And then Reaganomics capitalism took over and people decided that, um, insurance companies were more important than the people that they were insuring. And they had to be able to make a profit. And, you know, some of our some of our, our premium subsidizes Medicare. Not to the point of them not making a profit. Billions yeah. of dollars, you know. Mm-hmm. And you see articles about, like, insurance, blah, 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 is going to lose $1 billion because of Medicare subsidies or whatever. And it's like that loss <laughs> is on a ledger where you're already in the black 23 billion. Yeah. You know, this is not, there's no, there's no love lost for insurance companies. They are the, them and the, the, you know, politicians that are in their pocket are, are the issue. I think another player that should be mentioned is big pharma. For sure. And the, and just the disgusting greed there. Dude, we pay for those fucking, the, the trials, our taxes pay for them to develop these, uh, drugs. drugs. And then they, you know, Martin Scarelli, like, come on, dude. He got his. Really? Yeah, but still, one. That's <laughs> yeah. you know, dropping the bucket. He was made an example. Yeah. Of, yeah. Right. Right. Uh, you know, it's good. He was made an example of. Yeah. But who took notice? Yeah. You right. know, people just Didn't found different system, ways to get yes, around it. For yeah. Sure. For the listener, Martin Scarelli was known as like the pharma bro. Yeah. He bought uh, some. I forget the drug, but blew the price up. So he had a. He did he buy the patent? I guess he had all rights to it. Okay. But anyway, he's in, he's in prison now. That there's a patent is crazy. Yeah. You know, why is there a patent if we're we're funding it? Like, shouldn't we be the patent holders? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, really, it went hand in hand with trying to make uh, a horrible experience, which is working in restaurants, <laughs> good, better, <laughs> as good as it could be. Yeah. Yeah. More uh, peace of mind. Peace of mind and, and, you know, not in transparency, not, you know, being taken advantage of, not letting people work off the clock, telling them they can come in early and I'm going to pay you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that simple. Like, you got a lot to do. You're going to come in early. You're going to get it done. I'm going to make. And it's like I have very high expectations for people who work at any of those places. And, you know, that's the trade off. I have to do everything that I possibly can to make their lives better, not only in um, when they're at work, but outside of work. And like, to be very clear, I, I have boundaries. I'm not their fucking father. You know, like there, there are things that I have to. Uh, you have to have some boundaries. I have to. Yeah. Or else I'm going crazy. I don't want to mm-hmm. go crazy either. Yeah. 
You know, I have, you know, at this point, 75 employees. If I wake up every morning thinking about every single one of them, it's, you know, that's unfair to my children. It's unfair to my wife. It's unfair to me. I can't do it. Um, But I can make these um, shifts in culture um, more readily available to them should they choose. Not everybody has health insurance. They don't all sign up for it. If you're part time, we don't offer it. You can pay for it, but it's not subsidized by us. Mm-hmm. As far as not building it into the menu price, um, th- there are a lot of costs. I don't think people realize the amount of costs that are affected by sales. And I've said this sort of clumsily online several times, and people take it to mean that our, our health insurance costs would go up if sales go up. It's our liability. You guys know this. Your workers' comp. Those are all tied to sales. So if I'm going to net, our, our health insurance bill is $29,000 a month. If I'm going to net another $29,000 to just be able to fork it over. Um, yeah, you pay tax on that. that you have right. to pay tax on that. <clears throat> so which, you know, is a, a, a very ghoulish prospect in, in. Yeah, you can't carve it out retroactively. No. And like, you know, you talk about like the city of Chicago with their, you know, blanket statements about like, well, you'll just have to raise prices. It's like, well, you have a fucking restaurant tax that's tied to those prices. So it's a little rich that you're uh, passing legislation that'll force us to raise prices that you'll benefit from. And it's, um, it's gross. And it's not what I view as progressivism. No. And there's a tipping point for when, diners say that's too much of course it's not like you just magically raise yeah, the I prices and people are like oh cool okay we've no, started I, to see that anyway i mean totally mm-hmm. and i've yeah. got two case studies in in giant and pizza mata where at pizza mata <laughs> all of that people have health insurance it's all tied into the menu price it's not a cheap pizza it's in line with like the rest of chicago i've checked um, but you know, people there make 22 to $25 an hour and have health insurance. It's tied into the menu price. People bitch about that. But if you were, if I was to raise prices at giant to the point where it, it covers that and the tax, right? If the horizon is the taxes, uh, the insurance that we are mandated to carry. Yeah. Um, and the profit and loss, it, one of those trout rows would be $18 one. I've done the math. So it's, um, and nobody would come for anybody that says, you know, people at giant can afford an extra five bucks, you know, on their menu price. It's like, this way is cheaper for them, for the customer, because they don't have to worry about all the shit. Yeah. It would cost them more if you kept doing it this way. If you built it into the price. Like much, much more, like much more. And it would cost you more. It, well, it would cost right? me cost. the same, but the well, yeah. the result well, with fewer you're sales taxes on it, right? <laughs> yeah. is that we could we would have to then charge even more because yeah. we'd have less people coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. It For is sure. a balance. So, and it's also like it, it's also. I mean, another thing that was happening in 2016 is that I was opening my first business. They don't hand you a fucking binder when you sign up like an LLC and say, here's how you run a business. Yeah. You know, it's this convoluted, you know, BACP, 
city of Chicago, like, we'll help you all to, it's like, they don't know anything. They don't even know their own regulations. Mm -hmm. God love the city, but fuck this city. Like they, they can't get out of their own way. They can't balance their own budget. And they try and uh, it's the scattershot approach of like, we'll get money here. We'll get money here. We'll get money here. And it's, you know, it's business owners. I'm getting whiplash and I definitely will not open another business in the city. Um, Have you started thinking about businesses in other cities? Sure. Is there anything coming? (laughs) But another thing that happened in there is that um, I had to figure out a way to do it. Yeah. Right. So like I'm thinking about, I'm looking at profit and loss statements, you know, performas like fake ones and rewriting them and rewriting them and rewriting them and getting down to the bottom. If you're in the red, if you're in negative, then you look up at the top and go, what can I cut? I don't want to be saddled with the decision whether or not I'm cutting off the electricity or people's health insurance. That is a binary decision that's um, that I won't put myself in the position of having to make. It, it can't be that way. So, you know, we added the, at that point it was 3%. Um, there's no tax charged on it, uh, you know, contrary to what people think. <laughs> I have two ongoing audits right now to prove that yeah. because they're looking at our entire operation for to make sure it's above board. Right. And it's like, it's a cost of doing, according to the state of Illinois, God love them. <laughs> uh, it's a cost of doing business and we should have been charging sales tax on it the entire time. So right now my auditor, who's a mensch is escalating it to the state of Illinois and Illinois department of revenues, legal team to say that you shouldn't be to ask <laughs> if I'm on the hook for seven, eight years of back taxes on that for health insurance. And what does the audit cost you? Those aren't free. <sighs> Dude, for uh, for Chef Special, the, it just wrapped up. And, I mean, we ended up, um, it was it was a reporting discrepancy and definitely involved the, the um, surcharge. Um, but we're, we're down 15 grand that we owe the state. But I mean, it sounds like a lot of money, but it's like it, you know, in the grand scheme of things for that, it's not, it's the 10 grand that I had to spend on bookkeeper and accountant to figure all this shit out to deal with the bureaucracy of the state. That, that is the very frustrating part Yeah, because it's like they're, everybody's, you know, everybody's speaking Greek, but nobody's talking to each other. Yeah. And it's, it's very frustrating. So that's, I mean, like, and you know, chefs, thank goodness has that money. But like, as soon as the audit was wrapping up there, another one came for giant. Yeah. So I had to like bro down with the auditor and be like, listen, dude, (laughs) I don't have 10 grand to spend on a bookkeeper for this. Like, what can I tell you about my operation? That's going to, you know, pacify you placate you at least. Yeah. And, and what information do you need? And that's when the health insurance thing came up, which is crazy that in nine months, it never came up at chefs, uh, nine month audit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, it, it's for health insurance. 
And the, this is how we do it. The employees all contribute $100 a month each. It's going to go up to 150 in June when we re-up because... The plans went up. Well, everybody stays. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is... I, don't, I, I think there's a very direct through line. Your people have a job. This is a profession. It's yeah. allowed to be a profession. And they stay. So everybody gets a year older. So the, the, the policy yeah, the premiums, goes up. Yeah. That's, how, that's how this FACACTA, you know, system works. System works. Yeah. And it is. It's just, it's absolutely criminal that, um, that this, I mean, I've asked her if I could talk about this, but my general manager at Giant, Liz, you know Liz, right? Mm. Van Leeuwen. Okay, maybe. <laughs> she, they found a tumor. Ugh in her intestines and uh, $300,000. You know what I mean? Just like, what? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. So she paid 11 out of pocket with this insurance. It's good insurance is the thing. Like it's not horse, it's low deductible, lot of potential. Um, for in-state, you know, out-of-state, you definitely have to get a referral, but it's, it is great insurance. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, one could argue that it's still great if it saved 290 grand. I think so. Yeah. Right. I, I think so. Yeah, that's what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. And it's, you know, again, uh, it's, it's not a great system. It's not, it's not the system that I enjoy. <laughs> I don't you think know. any of us do. No, but I mean, like, we were the first people in Chicago to put a, surcharge for that on the on the menu and i think part of the reason that it's kind of coming back to bite us in the ass is because a lot of people followed suit and are much less transparent about what it's for we we print it on the menu why isn't this printed on the menu it's on there why isn't this printed on the receipt it's on there you know it's like we like short of telling everybody when they sit down which we considered doing um we are as transparent as we can be about it when so every employee um puts in a hundred bucks and a check pre-tax which is legal a che- so 200 a month or no no, no i'm sorry, sorry. 100 um, uh, a month. for okay. every so two, 50 bucks two a pay paycheck okay, right. um and then the percentage goes from the customers directly in there we have started charging sales tax on it now since like two weeks ago. But, you know, if, if they come back in our favor, I'll immediately take that off. And what happens if they're like, you owe the last eight years of back tax? I pay it. <laughs> that sounds like an insane number. Yeah. Oh my God. But you know, <laughs> impetuous decisions sometimes, or I wouldn't even say it, no, impetuous yeah, is the a, wrong way. Yeah. Like what I thought was true. isn't? could might not be true might not be but i mean i've got all the bills yeah. you know i've got here's here's the money we made here's the money and you yeah know, it like, wasn't suspe- it's not like yeah you were doing anything nefarious and you know the way it works in that scenario is in busier months i pay less in slower months i pay more and again a clumsy system not you know sometimes it bleeds over year to year in a in a uh, pandemic, when you're doing no sales mm. and there's no employee contribution, 
and you refuse to kick people off their health care, uh, you pay the whole thing. That's where all of my PPP money went. Yeah. yeah. All of it. And um, then finally it ran out. And that was the worst day of my life. One of the worst days of my life. When I had to tell people, or I don't even know if I told them. I just like, like, I don't even, I don't even remember how it happened. It was like in the middle of a fucking pandemic, like you're furloughed. Yeah. Because I don't have the money anymore to pay for your health insurance. So it shouldn't be left to the, to the restaurant tour to, to navigate this on their own and learn the hard way and get dinged and audits and fines and things. Who, who should be in charge of this? Medicare for all. Medicare I mean, for all is the single solution. Single payer healthcare. It's, it's insane that we don't have it mm-hmm. with as many people in this country as there are of so many different, uh, populace, uh, po- you know, population like everywhere you can, it's, this is an enormous country with so many different kinds of people. And the thought that the, well, first of all, the thought that no healthcare is the way to go (laughs) (laughs) is insane. But I mean, the thought that, um, people are voting to not, you know, people, uh, elected officials who are, um, against it, is also insane like that isn't a representative government that's that can't be there's 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 um there's a a, i don't even know what it is disinformation or voting against your interests or thinking it's something that it isn't or whatever or making elections about distraction issues for sure yeah all right so it's it's (laughs) well it's a depressing state it's not it's not it's, it doesn't work. Yeah. And like when you see it's like fucking guns, man, like you see what guns do to this fucking country and the fact that, um, some people really dig it. It's like, who, like, who, who are you? Where, where do you, where, what are your values? Because I don't give a fuck if it's the Bible like that. Mm-hmm. That's not. That doesn't that doesn't mean anything to me. What means something to me is that guns are the leading cause of death for children in this country. Meanwhile, you got fucking Lindsey Graham braying like a mule at Mark Zuckerberg about, uh, you know, Facebook and the effect that it has on kids. Yeah. Yeah, the, there's that line from this last season of Fargo that stuck with me where it's like, you, so you yeah, want all so the freedom good. without the responsibility. Totally. Only one person gets that, a baby. <laughs> That's like, wow. Okay. <laughs> John Hamm came into Giant one time. Oh, oh really? Like, oh, man, it was so like, yeah. <laughs> I would have <laughs> lost se- it. That season was so good. This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Stock Manufacturing, makers of fine hospitality workwear. You obsess over the details in your space, so why stop at your staff's uniforms? Stock has something for every aesthetic. From fine dining to a corner cafe, they've got you covered. Choose from in-stock ready-to-wear options or design the perfect custom uniform for your team. For more information, visit stockmfgco.com.
All right, we are running short on time, so we got to get to the gratuity round. Let's do it. Are you ready? Lightning round. Yeah. Fast-paced questions. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Jason, what's your death row meal? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> completely blindsided. No, french fries. French fries with ketchup, for sure. If I could eat french fries every single day. Heinz ketchup, I assume. Every meal, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Kensington. <laughs> um, I would. Fried chicken. Um, chicken noodle soup. Mm. Um, Who's fried chicken? My mom's lasagna. Ooh, nice. The best. She puts pepperoni in it. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. Um, probably my fried chicken. Okay. <laughs> nice. Fair. That's yeah. fair. Sorry. No, it's good. <laughs> All right. Favorite hidden gem restaurant. Uh, in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me think for two seconds. Um, I I. I don't know if it's a hidden gem, but uh, Quince in San Francisco is pretty special. Um, I mean, it's not a hidden gem at all, but do you know what? No, it's uh, it's it's a fantastic place. Again, kind people who give a shit. Yep. Um, yeah, Quince. Great. Good one. I will look into that. Um, favorite fast food? Oh, uh, In and Out. Yes. And what's the order? Love double that. double with cheese, animal fries, well done. You, know, I love you, you have to douse those fries <laughs> to make them palatable, right? Yeah, it's it's an terrible. inferior fry. <laughs> okay, <they're>, thank you. <laughs> you terrible. can admit it, Danny. Dude, it's my a business partner Andy was giving me shit about the fries at In and Out yesterday. They're styrofoam. But I will say, the best burger that I've ever had is at Scofflaw. Ooh, oh, well, that Thank wasn't you. one of the questions, so we're going to edit that out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, when that's I one of my be, favorite burgers. I too. don't drink. I've been sober for five years yeah. now, and like when I but when I'd be leaving Giant, and I'd see that corner spot. Yeah, at the you know just the one spot. Yeah, that was enough for me. That's like, awesome. Eagle Eagle Rare Bottle would be half full, like <laughs> le- much less full by the time I left, and there'd be a burger and fries in my belly. That sounds really good. Uh, least favorite food. Oh shit, man! Hazelnuts. Ooh, gross. Okay. Yeah, super gross. <laughs> how they how they become such an integral part of coffee? Hazelnut coffee. Yeah, get a lot out of, of hazelnut flavors for desserts. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can I can get around it and use them because I understand that people like them. But I if that's I, a good answer. If I can avoid hazelnuts, I will. It is know? a good answer, definitive. Um, back to your drinking days. Favorite cocktail? When I was drinking, yeah, whiskey. Yeah, just straight whiskey. <laughs> if you if you came into Scofflaw and gave Danny a dealer's choice, though, what's the is it just At straight whiskey time, still? Whiskey, whiskey. <laughs> it would be whiskey, whiskey like with whiskey. Shots yeah, we whiskey I mean, we went or, out for uh, we were a bachelor for Danko, party. Yeah, yeah, Danko's bachelor party was pretty fun. Yeah. It was Jason and I and my business partner Chris and Matt Danko, who's getting married. We went to we went drinking. We went to Con Barbecue. Oh, been nice. there. Went back to my house. Played some ping pong. Yeah, like it's yeah. a good time. Nice. Here's our cameo question from Josh Uwa on Instagram. Best words of advice you've received? Oh man, um, uh, uh, pretty recently from my dad when, um, like, the health insurance thing kind of like came to the forefront a little bit, and I was trying to rationalize what some people's 
you know, people who have never don't even live in Chicago. We're trying to like, yeah, they're figure hitting it out. you on Instagram or whatever. And he was just like, you know, there's, there's, there are some people who just think that everybody else is better off than they are and they don't like that. And, you know, that's obviously impossible to be true consistently. Um, but it ties into another piece. I didn't go to AA, but um, definitely read some of the literature. And one of their sort of tenets is um, you can't judge. You can't judge somebody's. You, your inside can't be compared with somebody else's outside. So you can't mm-hmm. look at somebody and assume that what's going on with them their you know facade is presenting is is accurate in any way and you can't compare how you're feeling inside to what you see on their outside that's that's a better way to say it but um it's true it's true in in everything so like you know if that opens the door to being more patient and empathetic great i definitely lose my shit sometimes especially on the internet Mm-hmm. When people are fucking, you know, flip about, well, why don't you just do it this? It's like, you're a numbskull. You don't, <laughs> you don't think I've thought of that? I mean, yeah. like, mm-hmm. you think that I'm just, like, banking on a fucking pizza place, which didn't even break even for the first six months? Yeah. And a 44-seat restaurant? Like, sounds like it's going to the owner's Mercedes fund. It's like... <laughs> yeah. what the fuck are you I drive an Audi. About? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, it's a Ferrari, Subaru, yeah, yeah, yeah. like with ghost stickers on it. Yeah. You know, from my kids' hall. It's like I just want. Yeah. To, I, I want the same thing everybody else wants. Right. Uh, uh, a less stressful life in a world that doesn't allow it. More time with my kids and my wife uh, to try and make the world, or at least my part of it, a better place. And by you know. Um, by that happening, hopefully it influences other places to be better. But all that is learned on doing it the other way. You can't, I, I, yeah. I am in no way perfect and learned how to be at least okay with myself from being a fucking idiot, <laughs> you know? So like, like I try and take that patience with everybody. Like everybody's going to be a fucking idiot. Yeah, we all need to be more understanding. Uh, we have to be. And assume positive intent. That's one thing I try to work on. It's like, that person's do- good doing their own thing. I'm going to assume positive intent <laughs> until I'm proven wrong. Yeah. But that, that can go a long way. Proven wrong a lot. Yeah. Um, all right. You may have already said this one, but favorite band or musician? You fish. going with Fish? Fish, okay. Morphine. Have you been to a million shows? Several. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Several million. I've only been to a couple, but they're always fun. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. My, Lawn Boy my, favorite my, album? Uh, I honestly like uh, Round Room right now. I, like Ooh. the albums are, are uh, you know, not really what I, I mean, I listen to them for sure. Yeah. It's about the jams, Danny. But I mean, yeah, not kind the of. the studio stuff. Kind this of square over here. <laughs> Nerd. I just remember my cousin playing Lawn Boy a lot when I was growing up. It was great. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's great. I still know? have like a lot of those words in my head. They were in a, ba- the, they tell a story, they were in a battle of the bands and they won studio time. 
Oh, really? And that's how they got it. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> and Alison Krauss is on that album. Oh, I well, didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. Um, favorite movie? Oh, shit. Uh, Big Lebowski. Very nice. Probably. The Dude Abides. Both you know? Dudes Abide. You know? It's, it's it, great. There's a, there's a lot of good stuff in there to live by. That's the best. All right. And then our last question. If you weren't doing this... What would you be doing? I've thought about that a lot recently. <laughs> <laughs> I've fantasized about that. No, I mean, like, yeah. it is, you know, I'm not trying to, like, get, you know, force empathy, but it's for a small business, being a small business owner right now in this economy is um, incredibly challenging. Yeah, particularly in hospitality. Yeah, it's, there's a, there's a lot coming at us and, you know, I've skipped paychecks recently and it's, um, definitely it's scary like yeah. i don't i don't know any other way to say it mm-hmm. um you know i tighten you know whatever uh i think i would teach i yeah. think i would i would English? you know no i oh. th- <laughs> <laughs> that ship has sailed <laughs> i don't talk good no more <laughs> um uh cooking yeah yeah like at um it's a fucking place on the at kendall not at kendall at um Washburn okay. culinary. Like I, I did a, I judged like a, uh, the senior cooking competition. It's like a high school that yeah. has, um, continuing ed kitchen is badass. The people are super nice. Um, good thing. It wasn't like an iron chef hazelnut edition. No, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, I don't know. It's like something more grounded. Yeah. You know, I like it. Please don't close your restaurants. <laughs> uh, I mean, or just cook for Tim personally. Yeah. Or I mean, <laughs> turn, honestly, turning Giant into a nonprofit or something akin to like Kurt's Cafe, or um, you know, turning it into a soup kitchen or production kitchen for soup kitchens type thing. Like I've definitely considered that because um, you know it's got good infrastructure, and if you got rid of the dining room, um, you'd have like a lot of prep space. Yeah. Um, so I've definitely considered that. All right. Well, that's a wrap on Jason Vincent. Thanks so much for joining us today. I mean, your canvas is cool. Thanks, man. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thanks for taking that time. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, anytime. And that concludes our conversation with Chef jason vincent from giant and chef special thanks for listening and remember check us out on other platforms you know go to youtube go to instagram go to youtube and help our struggling video get views watch it watch it 12 times no watch it once for every year old you are (laughs) that's 37 for me 37 for danny 74 38 for shannon almost (laughs) yeah shan care to care to weigh in yeah. No. We're getting a side eye from getting Shannon. Getting side eye from Shannon, who happens to be in the studio for the first time, but seems very shy about it. Yeah. I'm not shy. <laughs> what do you want me to say? <laughs> As always, this episode was produced by Matt Haddock, music by Captain Cuts, and a real work done by the one and only Joe Guzzo III. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.